Welcome to the Media Navigators podcast, brought to you by the World Media Group. My name is Belinda Barker, and I'm the Chief Executive. In the last few months, we have focused on a number of occasions on the subject of um, content marketing. Uh, today, we are we're, we're focusing on, on a particular area of, of content marketing. In fact, it's possibly really better described as the sister or, or cousin of content marketing, depending on, on which way you view it. Um, back uh, on the, in the 15th podcast, we were talking about uh, measurement uh podcast 18 we were talking about the awards and 21 on, around a brand partnership um the area we're talking about specifically today is um advocacy communications um and in truth i really didn't know a great deal about this until i uh first spoke to um, Molly Fluitt. She's the Executive Director of Media Solutions at Politico Europe. Welcome, Molly. Hi, how are you? Very well, and you? Good, happy to be here. Brilliant. Um, Before we get uh, into more depth into advocacy and communications, I would like to talk to you a little bit more about Politico Europe because I don't think many of our, or that's not fair, but they might not be as familiar with you as a media brand as as um, other brands. Um, you, 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 in some some ways, are almost a new kid on the block, even though you have been around since two thousand and seven. But compared to the other brands in the World Media Group, many who've who've been around for over a hundred years. Um, you, you are relatively new to, to this community. Um, so what would be really helpful is if you could explain a little bit about the, the, the kind of the USP of Politico, why, why it was launched, and then also the introduction of Politico Europe um, in, in 2015. Yeah, happy to. Excited to talk about this. I'm a true Politico nerd, um, having been with them for, at this point, I think eight years, uh, and having read them before I joined the publication because I was working either in political campaigns or on the Hill. So um, we launched a digital first publication in 2007 to cover kind of three core areas, policy, politics, and power. That seems like something that everyone would be covering, but what when you realize was there was a white space within power centers globally to really focus on these particular topics. And there was no group kind of dedicated to shining a true light on what was occurring within the halls of power, really to make sure that transparency was critical. Um, and we wanted to be there with strong, actual, and nonpartisan journalism. And so we did that. And quite successfully uh, launched uh, quickly uh, in 2007. And then in 2015, after having been in DC, we joined forces with Axel Springer, which is the Europe's leading digital publisher based in Germany, to create Politico Europe and to focus and to launch in Brussels. And we launched with 35 journalists. And now we have over 100, so in just six years, with our headquarters in Brussels, but then with bureaus in London, Paris, and Berlin, connecting power centers uh, to politics and policy, and really covering the story of the continent and something that is a part of everyone's daily life, but if you know it or not. 
Um, so you've, you've grown very rapidly, um, but you have a very, you know, you're talking about power and politics. So who who is it that, that's consuming you most and kind of where where in the world are they most likely to be based? Yeah, uh, so our kind of core audiences are three big buckets. So you've got policymakers, so truly elected officials, those who are on the ground uh, in uh, legislation, in legislators uh, who are making laws. Then you have kind of stakeholders or political stakeholders or what we'd call policy formers, anyone around that policymaker. So that could be public affairs professionals, that could be think tanks, NGOs, corporate businesses, even C-suite business executives could be considered influencers within this realm because they have a voice and they want to be heard. And they're also incredibly uh, tuned into what's occurring within this industry. And then we have opinion formers. So other media are reading Politico every day to truly get uh, their hands around what's happening within policy and the macro political world. Um, other opinion formers that we would think of are also local stakeholders, mayors, uh, local influencers who ha- are tapped into that those policy initiatives. And those really encompass our kind of core uh, Politico audience. So I would call them kind of pow- political power players is a very American way to put it, but really uh, political and policy influencers within the entire ecosystem. And we're based in kind of some core geo. So the US, the UK, Brussels, France, and Germany. And that also represents kind of where we're located in terms of bureaus as well. Um, But also when you think about global political um, power centers, especially when you think about North America and Europe, that's where we are. So for you, it's not size isn't everything. It's about who is consuming it, not, not just the biggest number. 100%. So our our emphasis is on who. So are we ensuring that the committee head on agriculture is reading Politico every day? Yes, we want that person reading Politico. Are we making sure that it's in front of number 10 every single day? Yes. Those are who is reading Politico every day. And that, that will continue to expand. And the people that influence those policymakers will continue to read Politico, but will probably never be kind of a mass uh, media publication, just based on the focus of our content and really making sure that we have those uh, really critical, important uh, readers reading us. So the main subject of this podcast is advocacy communications. But for the uninitiated, can you help us out by defining exactly what you mean by advocacy communications and what makes it different to uh, other uh, ways of communicating. Me too. So advocacy communications is the communication strategy that brands deploy when a piece of legislation or file is released that would impact them or their industry. The strategy is tied to the political field and legislative timing, um, which ensures that their perspective is understood. So if there is a big vote coming up on a technical piece of legislation, technology companies are going to deploy advocacy communications to ensure their story or their um, perspective is understood. Um, what's interesting is that critical within advocacy communications is that pe- brands need to understand the layers and levels surrounding the file. This means 
when I work with clients, I always joke to say that my team asks 10 to 15 more questions because we need to have a strong understanding of what the need is from the audience. So what does that brand need from the audience for this particular strategy? And a few key areas that need to be understood is who are the key political actors around this file and those influencing them? How is that brand perceived or understood against that file or legislation? So if a technology company is energy lobbying on an energy legislation, why? And do people understand what that connection is? And timing. How much time do we have? Files can be legislated within weeks or over years. So understanding when the kind of key milestones is occurring is a part of advocacy communications. The strategy for advocacy communication also does not happen in a solo. It's not happening uh, kind of alone. The same way that politicians don't make a vote by themselves <laughs> just because they read one thing, uh, this strategy is done because there's multiple different teams involved. So you have a public affairs team, uh, which is really the boots on the ground. That is the team having meetings and talking with this audience and really priming and uh, educating them to understand the brand's position and what uh, and how the legislation can impact the industry. Then you have the communications teams who are working on that earned and owned level to ensure that key messages are going through, but to also unpack complicated issues to ensure that the public affairs teams have what they need for their meetings and uh, that you know other outside media is getting that information. And then last, Politico is coming in to help with paid media. Paid media is the air cover to ensure that we're providing um, or that brand is providing additional context and frequency to critical power players. So it's a really interesting type of strategy that uh, has multiple layers and levels to it that may not be quite as well understood outside of politics, but it's something that's frequently done in power centers all over the world. And it's a bit wonky. It can be nerdy for sure, but it's but it's interesting because these complicated policies impact our daily lives and definitely impact brands that uh, are working on them. So it's critical to our overall ecosystem. So what I'm hearing from you is you have to have a much more long-term strategy when, when you are considering um, advocacy communications. Um, the political stakeholders... Um, but they they are they are essentially human beings, and um, uh, communications in, in some respects um, will work in 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 the same way. But I'm guessing that different when you're in that kind of mode, you're you're if you, if if you're a political influencer and you're not in your how am I going to shop for my watch or my this or my that or the other, but I'm I'm in my influencing mode. Um, are there different ways that you need to communicate with them? I mean, should you be thinking about um, different forms of content? Um, you know, is the frequency is different. Is the, is the the timings are different. You know, what what are the kind of the, the key elements that you should be considering when, when you're trying to impact them in that in that state in that mode of time? Correct. So when a policymaker or a political stakeholder or an influencer is in that mode, they're collecting facts and figures. They're trying to understand 
the entire world. And when we're working with uh, end of groups, we like to lay out a kind of a few key things. One is something that I talked about earlier, which is politicians aren't making decisions alone. So for brands, they need to understand the entire kind of ecosystem around them. So they rely on organizations and individuals they trust to make informed decisions. That can be their teams, their peers, other experts. So think tanks, NGOs, groups that are providing them with hopefully or maybe non-biased information, but what their perspective is. They're also reading media and social content like every other consumer. So, but they're when they're reading it, they're probably collecting it for um, kind of building out their uh, fact file. And they're also speaking to home governments and constituents. These are still many of them are elected individuals, and they need to um, be looking at the overall a system that why they were elected. So, all of those individuals, all of those actors, also are part of that world. And so. When we're planning a strategy, we can't say, well, the three um, policymakers that you're trying to impact, will just target them. We have to think about that entire world around them because that makes a stronger advocacy campaign. And all of those groups may consume content differently. So you also want to make sure that you're creating something that's much more integrated so that you're reaching those groups where they are. The second tip that I always think about um, is by just... By the day that they're voting, they have already made their decision. Many groups think, I'll just run um, the week of the vote, I'll run a lot of media, and that will help us out. That probably will not, because that decision has already been made. Now, legislation can happen you know, within weeks or within years. So understanding that timing is critical. Minimum you should start an advocacy communications campaign eight to 10 weeks ahead of a vote if you know when that vote is happening. But if you know that it's a long-term play, you're not 100% sure when the vote is going to happen, but you know, say, it's going to be at the end of 2022, start that advocacy campaign now, but you would do it in different ways. Similar to you asked, you know, would frequency be different or would the type of content be different? Yes, when you have longer... Um, kind of a longer time, you can do much more uh, priming, education, and branding ahead of that vote so they have a more full understanding of your brand versus eight to 10 weeks, which is really about key facts and figures and breaking down complex matters so that it can be consumed quickly and on the go. Frequency, we've already kind of highlighted this, but it can take a policymaker anywhere between 15 to 25 times to really understand a message. And that's because a lot of these messages can be a little bit wiry. There's a lot of different areas to them, a lot of different angles. And when I say uh, frequency, it's not just with working, say, with Politico. It's also making sure that your public affairs team is having enough meetings, that the a policymaker is seeing your brand in other areas, say, with, through research papers or additional content, third-party advocates. That counts as a time um, that you're making that connection. And then using paid media to really provide that additional frequency and context and making sure that when the public affairs team leaves the meeting, that when the first thing they read is the next newsletter that they missed because it was sent while they were in the meeting, they also see that brand there too. So it's built, really building that dialogue. And last but not least is research. This is, I think, one of the areas that is not done as much, but probably is the most important, which is 
within the political stakeholder world, how is your brand or your message perceived? Do they actually understand that? And that can be because, for example, I was working with an agricultural company who was very well known, but they, and from their perspective, they thought, well, they of course know us. They see us through everything else that we're doing. But when we did the research, they actually, the political stakeholder environment didn't really understand them that well. They may have knew the brand name, but they weren't sure why necessarily they were doing an advocacy communications campaign or what their perspective was on legislation or how or why, say, water was a key part of their CSR strategy. So those critical components that you need to build a strong dialogue um, sometimes can be missing. And it's not because this audience doesn't want to know. They're incredibly well-informed. It's just because they have so much critical information coming at them every day that you just need that time to uh, really build that relationship with them. So starting with research, how is your brand perceived? Where is your brand within the uh, within this political world? And uh, do they understand why you care about that particular piece of legislation? Sometimes they may not. You know, Based on my early example of why would a technology company be lobbying on energy? Well, that may not be as well known. But if you do the research and you find out why, that's going to help build your overall communications campaign in such a bigger way to make that impact when you are trying to create dialogue with this audience. Do you feel that um, the particular environment that the advocacy is seen within impacts on how it's received? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I do. And one of the reasons why is for Politico is a little bit different is this particular audience is using Politico every day to do their jobs. So it is a critical, actually, core part of their tool set um, that they're reading our content. So they behave differently on Politico because um, it's critical for them to for decision making or for outreach strategies. Um, they're reporting back to executive teams or to board members about what they read because um, Politico is kind of their first place. But that also means that that requires to be really trusted uh, environment. We find that our readers are incredibly loyal to this content, which is critical. And something that I always think about is a commodities trader. Uh, they're thinking about coffee beans every day. They're thinking about the soil and the farming and the shipping. So they're trading on those types of facts and figures, and that's critical to their jobs. Our audience is trading on knowledge every day. That's really their currency. In order for them to be able to make the perfect decision or to inform uh, a policymaker on what's occurring, they need to understand that what they're reading from Politico is uh, exactly what's occurring. We can do that because of the environment with which we're uh, writing in power of our journalists kind of being first to source on a lot of this information. But being first to source uh, on this information then is critical for my team to put together a good advocacy communications campaign because we are we know exactly what's happening on the ground because we're so close to it, which then helps um, in terms of a communications overall dialogue uh, with this audience. So it's definitely interesting um, and the platform does matter because also you have to look at how often are these groups using that platform and how, where do they place that platform in terms of the decisions that they're making? Is it something, is it the first thing they're reading? Is it the second thing they're reading or is it the last thing they're reading? For policy, as wonky as it is, Politico tends to be the first thing uh, just because we have the, the deep, the, you know, in-depth details and then they're probably supplementing that uh, with additional groups as well. 
I think I think that's the one element that that brings the World Media Group, uh, the members of the World Media Group, t- together. Um, it, it's the journalism that is at the heart of these brands that creates a, the trusted in, environment. Um, no matter, you know, obviously this is is a slightly different audience and a different uh, way of approaching it than than other members, but it's still that unifying element. Yeah. Journalism creates trust. And transparency. Without journalism, you won't be able to have transparency. And when we talk about advocacy communications and politics in particular, that is critical to the dialogue. Because if you don't know what's going on, then you actually, uh, democracy can be impacted. And all of the members of the World Media Group, including uh, Politico, that's part of all of our kind of ethos is to drive that belief. And that's that's important. Um. What kind of if we're thinking about our, the audience of the of the podcast who, who are going to be um, you know uh, advertising agencies and and, and um, clients? What kind of sectors are getting into this that might not have before? So you know if I if I was at whichever agency, you know, why why should I be looking at this and considering it for my client that, that hasn't done advocacy in, in the past? Right. Um, so one, most uh, groups that are highly regulated are already involved. So think healthcare, farming, they have been, they have been players within this for a long time because it's always been part of the makeup of the organization. Groups that maybe necessarily haven't always thought about it is technology. Uh, Technology has really been an industry that has decided to self-regulate and then maybe not be as on the ground when they're talking to legislators. And that's really critical now because it's a different dialogue. Uh, You know, in Brussels with DSA and DMA coming up, huge uh, implications. Another area too were food companies, though they're highly regulated, they really focus much more on their brand marketing, making sure that individual brands under their umbrella were in front of you know, consumers. And then they didn't really think about the overall brand uh, at the policy level. But now we're seeing so much more regulation when it comes to say plant-based foods or dairy, um, how things are labeled. In a, because there is a, a shift towards a, a more healthier system, um, because of that, they now have to be paying attention to it. And they need to talk as kind of one brand, not amongst lots of different brands. Um, and so those are kind of areas that we're starting to push through and see more and more. Um, finance has always been, uh, I would say, 50-50. Sometimes they're really great at it and they're engaged and they understand why they need to be there. And then they pull back, but then they tend to be more reactive than proactive. They react when there's a, for lack of a better term, like a big financial crisis where they have to, but then they forget that actually it takes years of priming this audience to really understand a sector as complicated as finance so that when there is a piece of regulation or there is a file dropping within their world, um, they needed to have already had that kind of brand presence to make sure that they have the the seat at the table. Um, Sometimes people think, oh, this is too nerdy. These policymakers, like, why do we really need, you know, we're just trying to do a big brand campaign. Well, even for a big brand campaign, you would want the most powerful and influential people in the world to know about it. Uh, And they care about it. They want to know what brands are doing. They think it's fascinating uh, to understand what CSR is. And also that's because of the evolution of 
CEOs becoming more popular than politicians. And that's kind of the reason. So if all of a sudden a CEO is going to get more viewability, politicians are going to care about it and then vice versa. So they, the worlds start playing into each other really beautifully, but you do need to have that forward-looking view uh, to prepare and to advocate for that. Um, to help illustrate an advocacy campaign, it would be really helpful if you could share an example. Um, you can debrand it, but just <laughs> um, particularly about, you know, w- w- over time, what the different elements are and, and what the results of it ha- have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to get really wonky. I'm going to talk about Amendment 171 from last year. Okay. Exciting stuff. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, but really, but it's actually a regulation that we're all familiar with. What it did is it was seeking to prohibit the imitation of dairy products on plant-based foods. So things along, so you can think of kind of all of the different, um, businesses that are plant-based or that are dairy that are competing for the same market share. And now they're talking about branding. And that is what Amendment 171 was, was really about how is this going to be uh, perceived and who can use what terminology and names. So both industries are really paying attention to it. And it, once again, it's a, but it's a pretty wonky issue. So we worked uh, with a few different groups on Amendment 171 And what we really initially recognized when we started talking to all of them is that you needed to break this topic down as simple as possible uh, ahead of the vote. And the reason why is it's complicated, right? If you're talking about imitation or evocation of dairy products, like what does that actually mean? And why does a larger group care about it? So we looked at this. We also looked at how well our audience believed and understood the issue uh, on either side. And we recommended first a priming and branding campaign. So to kick off your advocacy campaign, to lay out what this is, why it's important, and what do you want from this audience? Uh, And really in the most simple of terms, because what was happening is a lot of these groups were presenting massive research papers, but no one has time always to read a hundred page white paper. So break it down, branding, advocacy or branding and education, um, usually through content or through newsletter plays, which give brands more time over a week to kind of tell, talk about their story um, by doing inserts in our newsletters. And then once we kind of get through that first initial, I would say two to three weeks of like a 10 week uh, campaign of branding and priming, we assess where is everything do they have a better understanding? And now it's time for frequency. So your teams, your public affairs teams are on the ground talking about Amendment 171 every day. Your communications teams are doing their side of the work. Now we need to give you additional frequency to ensure that they understand what this is for and how they need to vote. And now that is a true digital uh, play, uh, making sure that creative is clear, focused call to actions um, that are fact-based running in a strong share of voice across that time, leveraging audio uh, and podcasts in particular to make sure that there is that in-ear resonance and then making sure that we're using, once again, Politico's kind of, Politico's kind of famous for our newsletters, using newsletters on specific audiences to keep up that frequency. And then usually 
in somewhere in between them, we do run another brand piece, which is much more specific to the issue. So that people who are now like, I'm engaged. What is, I kind of understand what this is about. Tell me more about the particulars can then find that information as well on Politico and get more informed. So you always want to make sure that all of those factors are playing so that the day of the vote, everyone already has made up their mind. Though I'll always recommend some media the week of the vote because it's critical to keep that brand in front of them. They're going to be on their phones that you need to remind them, hey, we're here. But probably just doing one thing the week of the vote, is it won't be as impactful. So you really need to think about branding and content along with true media uh, frequency and amplification. Uh, and depending on how long we have for the campaign, sometimes an event will work depending on the topic. So those are some of those kind of core top, like tactics that we would leverage um, overall. Interesting. That's more integrated than I I was um, anticipating. Um, and you're able, well, I guess that the result is... is, is when is the vote? Passed or not. So yeah, you've got a very clear way of, of measuring that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we politics have become uh, much more kind of visible and top of mind, I guess, um, in just in the last year, well, maybe more than that, you know, <laughs> yeah. Brexit and Boris and everything, pandemic, who's making what rules about this, that and the other. Um, the emphasis on um, advocacy communications, uh, I know you've, you've, you've said it, it, it's going to grow, but are, are you... Are you willing to put any predictions in place? How do you think it's going to be over the next uh, comparable 12 to 18 months? I mean, you know, all of our journalists would say, I never do a prediction. I, I won't <laughs> I won't either. But what I can say is, you're right. So politics and policy and people's lives are more integrated probably now post-pandemic or not post, we're not post yet, but uh, during pandemic than ever before because we're, we're glued in, we're paying attention to PMQs, we're seeing what the commission president is saying about um, vaccines and where things are going. But that also means that, that during COVID, a lot of let files were tabled so that they could focus on the health crisis and they kept uh, the EU Green Deal and some tech legislation moving forward. But post-COVID, uh, and when we start going to recovery, there are hundreds of files and regulations and amendments um, that people are going to want to bring back onto the table because now they can focus on something else, which means that advocacy communications is going to grow because everyone is going to be trying to break through the clutter to say, we'll pay attention to... Uh, chemicals, pay attention to offshore wind energy, pay attention to local recovery and rebuilding, pay attention to roads um, and infrastructure. So everything that maybe was fishing. fishing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I love a good homepage takeover with fish. One of my favorite things on Politico. (laughs) Um, You give me a good agriculture campaign and we see cows everywhere. Um, But it's true. All of these things are going to come back. And quite candidly, privacy communications is, its a, this is maybe not the best example in the world, but it's kind of like going surfing. If you're on a surfboard and you're trying to catch the next best wave, you have to look out into the horizon and track the waves to understand what's coming and how you're going to prepare yourself to then position yourself to catch the wave before it breaks. 
So working with Politico, and one of the things that our journalists are really great at is looking ahead. What is coming? So if you're reading Politico every day and you're understanding, well, for us, um, tech regulation is going could really be a dismantler. It could be a disruptor to our industry. Well, then you need to start preparing now under with the understanding that post-COVID in 18 months, everything's coming back onto the table and will be re-legislated or changed. So if you don't start talking about your brand now, your thought leadership now, your CSR now, you're going to be in a world of hurt in 18 months when you actually do need to say, hey, we actually, we like this or we don't like this. So similar to surfing, you've got to prepare, you've got to kind of see the horizon and then get ready to go. And then once you hit that wave, everything is going to be moving really quick. Um, just like in a crisis communications uh, perspective where you have to have everything prepared, this is the same thing. As soon as a file drops, you've got to be ready. Now, a good public affairs team knows that it's coming and has prepared. And they're usually probably already working with us ahead of time to make sure that that branding is there. But um, I will talk to a lot of people and say, the brands will say to me, oh, well, if we were a political, that means we're being reactive to something. Like something's happened that we don't like. That's incorrect. Uh, a lot of brands are reactive, but that's because that's a any good communication strategy. But working with Politico means that you are understanding the value of this audience and how important they are to your overall business and how it could be impacted or helped um, by these power centers. And you're now communicating on that ahead of time and you're being strong in kind of your tactics. And as you rightfully highlighted, a lot of this means it's an integrated campaign. Because if you just run display or if you just run branding or you just do events, it's going to stay very one note. But as soon as you start doing multi-channel, and you start reaching those different uh, stakeholders where they are. So a young EU official who's reading, who's listening to podcasts, who's influencing their policymaker, making sure podcasts are there, you know, uh, an informed elite. He is really going to care about long-form journalism. So making sure that you're a part of editorial series and long-form journalism that Politico is doing. By planning correctly, then you can really make sure to catch that wave at the right time. That's brilliant, Molly. I think the answer or the question everybody should be going back to their office thinking about is, you know, should we uh, be doing an advocacy, advocacy communications campaign? Um, at least asking the question, the answer may be no, but if you haven't thought it through, then you're going to be behind the curve. Yeah. Um, Molly, fascinating, <laughs> really, really helpful. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and um, hopefully see you again soon. Yes. Thanks, Belinda. And to anybody listening who enjoyed that, do please subscribe to our podcast, and we look forward to talking to you again as well. Thanks. Bye. Bye. The World Media Group is an alliance of the world's leading international media organisations that connects brands with highly engaged, influential audiences in the context of trusted and renowned journalism. For further information, please go to our website, world-media-group.com. Thank you.